Molly Fisk, Observations from a Working Poet. I can never remember whether we're supposed to bake things for longer at this altitude than the recipe says, or less long. I've only lived here for 25 years, and I've baked something at least once a month, except in the summer when it's too hot to turn on the stove. My grandmother, born in 1906, baked every day. She didn't believe in buying things you can make. She also didn't believe in going to anyone's house for dinner without zucchini bread or a tin of homemade oatmeal cookies as a hostess gift. She lived on Cape Cod, so altitude adjustments weren't involved. When was the last time you said hostess gift in a sentence? Which is, of course, class-related. I don't say it either, but I certainly heard it growing up. We were admonished regularly to say hello or goodbye and thank you to the hostess when arriving at or leaving someone's house. The host could go suck eggs, apparently. He never got any credit, and perhaps rightly so, since all men did in the 50s in this demographic was mix cocktails and earn money. The women deserved all the credit for inviting the guests, wrapping Chinese water chestnuts in bacon, making deviled eggs, and emptying cans of oversalted planters' peanuts into cute little wooden bowls. And that was just for a cocktail party, never mind beef wellington and baked Alaska. Plus, of course, cleaning the house before and afterward. My grandmother, being female, knew the score. We came from a class of people who did not employ cooks, although cleaning ladies arrived once or twice a week to help our mothers. This was useful, but it didn't save the woman of the house, who usually had four children under the age of seven, from tearing out her hair on the day of a party. People we knew had cooks or had their parties catered, and other people we knew never threw anything but potlucks, which in the 50s were considered quite bohemian. Anything the least bit innovative was called bohemian in a certain tone of voice, which meant you'd better not go there or be that way, or you were going to hear about it later. Code. I'm delighted to tell you I turned out entirely bohemian, but it took a while. Despite going to the right college and dating four different men who had the third at the end of their names, I managed to escape quite a bit of my class trajectory. As did some of those men. You can't judge a book by its cover. But we don't escape our families of origin completely, which is why I mentioned the altitude adjustment. The timer just rang, telling me the banana bread I'm making to take to a friend's house tonight might be ready. This is the recipe's timing from the good old bohemian Moosewood cookbook. According to my calculations, it will either be overdone, underdone, or perfect. I will write down which it is on page 193 so I know for the next time, breaking another class taboo that one not deface a book unless you're the author who is signing it. I don't know yet if this will be a hostess gift or eaten on the spot as potluck. Part of the fun of being bohemian is creating a sense of mystery. Award-winning poet Molly Fisk writes, coaches, and teaches writing in California's Sierra Nevada foothills. You can reach her at mollyfisk.com. This program is produced at the studios of KVMR-FM, Nevada City, California. Funding is provided by Harmony Books of Downtown Nevada City and KVMR with support from the Corporation for Public Broadcasting.